0: contributions uh, to the service already tonight and a great song from Annie and and, Kevin. That script from Nathan was uh, written by himself. I wonder if we'll just show our appreciation once more. It was brilliant. Um, It's just great to see everybody tonight and there's a great sense of uh, family gathering and just to say that I'm not going to be long in terms of bringing a word but we have a great value on the word of God in this church and we believe on this evening it would be remiss of us not to put out a message again that reflects on the power of the cross. And for the boys and girls that are here tonight, you know that God can speak to you. You know that he can come to your life and that he can change you forever. So if you just stay with me for a few minutes, that'll be great. And we'll ask the Lord just to really speak into our hearts. Because tonight I don't want to be just the speaker that talks about a cross. I want to believe that the Holy Spirit will confront us. With the cross. You see, lots of people want to jump into Sunday morning, uh, but we can't jump into Sunday morning without negotiating Friday, Good Friday. Uh, There's no power of resurrection without walking through the blessing and the depth of the cross. So there's a verse going to go up on the screen. It's from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, and it speaks about Jesus. And it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Of course, when that was written 2,000 years ago, it would have had a great resonance with the culture of the day. They would have understood what the execution of the cross entailed, not so much so today. But here's Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, and Philippians tells us that, but he humbled himself. He came to this earth, and um, he lived a wonderfully obedient perfect life and then became obedient to death even death on a cross now this week I was in a certain supermarket and uh, it's in close it will remain nameless but it's in close proximity to this church Um, it's got a five-letter name and if you're still struggling it begins with T I looked at the Easter cards never mind there wasn't one Easter card that reflected anything of the Christian faith and there certainly wasn't a card with a sign of the cross on it, lots of bunnies and chickens and eggs but nothing that reflected the really true meaning of the Easter weekend celebration and today is Good Friday, it's a day in the calendar of the Christian church which we uh, enjoy remembering that is reflected in our great gathering tonight. And where a loud message goes out, right across the earth, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth and died for us on a cross. Leon Morris, a Bible commentator, says that the Christian faith is a faith that is centered on a cross. And every Christian believer in this meeting tonight has had to come to a place of acknowledging that Christ died for them personally on that cross. And so, tonight I want to just speak for a moment or two, about the power of that cross, Paul writing to the Ephesians says, to those that are perishing, it's foolishness. And social media and blogging sites and, uh, and other expressions of publicity in these days, for those that reject this message, would we'll have a field day this week denying the power of the cross. But to those that are being saved, it is the power of God. And as a Christian church in this town, we unashamedly and unapologetically say again that this church is rooted in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And the moment that we stray from that message, we cease to be the church that God has ordained us to be. And of course, crosses have different configurations. And Destiny, where are you? Just going to help me for a moment. I'd like just to illustrate this through two or three flags. If you just hold that flag up for me, Destiny, this is the flag of Slovakia in Central Europe. It's where Pastor Stefan Papp, who we've supported from this church for many years, uh, serves so faithfully. And of course, there's some crosses there. I don't know what the story of it is. But I was with Christian last spring, and uh, I said, I like flags, you see. And uh, so I went into the shop and says, can I have a flag? She says, do you want a big one? Well, you can see how big it is. Destiny's buried behind it. And then, of course, there's this flag, Destiny, if you'll put that one down. This is more recognisable because this is the English flag, the flag of St. George. And again, probably the other way, please. Yeah, that's it. And again, a cross, but a different shape cross. And, uh, and then this one is the final one, Destiny. This is the U, what we call the Union Jack, more accurately the Union flag, which has got the cross of St. George, the cross of St. Patrick, and then also it reflects the, the Scottish uh, Saltire, the, the, uh, the blue background with the, with the white diagonal cross uh, around it. And that flag has bound us together since 1707, the Act of the Union. Nearly all changed last autumn, when, uh, when the Scots decided whether they wanted to be part of us. We're always stronger together. We're glad that they stayed with us. And uh, thanks, Destiny. Thank you. And um, so different shapes of cross. And uh, You'll know that the patron saint of Scotland is St. Andrew. And the reason the cross is shaped that way is that it's thought in tradition that St. Andrew was crucified in that shape. You'll know that most of the early apostles paid the ultimate sacrifice for following Jesus. History has it that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord. Amazing what the church is built upon. And I'd like you to think about configuration of the cross for a few moments because I think it teaches us two or three simple lessons with regard to the cross of Jesus Christ. First of all, when we think about a cross, we think about wrong. And if we just put that word up on the a cross, tells us that we're, we're wrong. And uh, the Bible reminds us that we've all sinned or wronged and come short of the glory of God. That word sin literally means to miss the mark. In ancient archery, when they would have tournaments, the archer would pull back the bow and fire the arrow, and if it missed the target, it would be determined by the judges having sinned, S-Y-N-N-E-D, missing the mark. And and the reality is tonight, there there are many wonderful, good, wholesome people in the world but here's the truth every one of us in the light of a holy and pure God have sinned with the Mark now I've got a school teacher in the family and I understand nowadays that school teachers are a little less loath to put crosses on people's work when I was a kid they almost had a glee about it red ink you know <laughs> loved it And perhaps we live in a slightly more encouraging age. But here's the truth. God would be less than God tonight if he did not put a cross by the side of our lives and say that we've done wrong. If we stop there, it would be a sober service. But the next cross tells us that we're loved. And uh, how many of you received a a card, a Christmas card, a birthday card, an email? And at the bottom of it is a, a little A little kissy, a little cross that says, you're loved. You're loved. When I send sharing texts, I never put Phil, I just put a cross. You know. (laughs) Do I get something back? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Here's probably the most famous verse in the whole of the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, he loves us. You say, me? Yeah, he loves you. He loves you personally. I know it's a cliche, but if you'd been the only person that would have wronged him, he would have come for you. He loves us personally. He loves us unconditionally. Because the Bible says that while we were far off, he loved us. It's not about trying hard. It's not about being holy enough. Whatever our past, God wants to determine our future as we come through the power of the cross. There are people tonight in this room that would, could spend the whole of the evening talking about their past. But Jesus invaded their world and gave them an amazing future. He can do it for you. He loves us sacrificially because he didn't just talk about it, he did it. One preacher says that the foremost reason for the cross is to express God's unquenchable love for us. And John in another part of the Bible says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He loves us, he loves us, he loves us. Philip Yancey says, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. He loves us. And the third cross is choice. And of course, just in a few weeks' time, and we have five politicians on this platform a few weeks ago I'm still recovering from chairing that meeting by the way but um, but uh, in a few weeks time we have a choice we'll go to a polling booth and uh, in the quietness of our own decision we'll make our choice as to who we'd like to be our government going forward from May of this year and I'm thankful friends that we live in a democracy and of course that's been fought for in many places even in modern times Remember South Africa, the rainbow nation, coming into that place where everybody had a vote, and they snaked around for hours and hours and hours. The joy of being able to cast their vote. Amazing. And here's the truth. We know that God comes to us. But Acts 2.41 says that when they heard the message from Peter about the power of the cross, those who accepted it were baptized. There's a collision of God invading our world and wooing us to, to us, and us making the choice to follow him. And the greatest choice that we can ever make in this world without hesitation is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The good news is this, that whatever our wrong, God loves us in Christ. And he gifts us with the gift of faith to respond to him and to make the choice to live in his ways forever. Three and a half years ago, I had the joy of... Being in the uh, city of Jerusalem, an amazing experience. And as we looked over from a garden, we looked to the place that is designated as uh, the place of the school, Golgotha. The place where Jesus died. Nowadays, friends, it it overshadows a bus station. And for me, it was a powerful picture of God still reaching out to ordinary people in ordinary contexts with his extraordinary love and power. And so we come to the final cross, the final picture. And this one probably a little bit more of the shape that you would recognize. September 11th, 2001 became a fateful day in the history of the world. As fanatical terrorists drove, piloted two planes into the twin towers of what we know as the World Trade Center. Now that chaos, this girder was discovered 20 feet high, standing in the shape of a cross. Apparently, two girders from different buildings had crashed into each other, and in the heat, had welded in the moment and created an iconic picture that went around the world. I think it was God saying, friends, that in the midst of chaos, the cross still and always will stand tall. And it was a blessing in the devastation of those days and for many people for many years afterwards. The symbol of Christ on the cross is always drawn to brokenness and needs, and no less so in this day. And out of that 9-11 story, I recently read an article again that was first published in Time magazine a few months after that day of terrible events. It was entitled, How One Person Made a Difference And it was a story about a man called Rick Rescola. Rick was a Vietnam veteran, and after serving in the armed forces in the States, he came back to become head of security for Morgan Stanley International Investment Bank. That bank employed over 2,700 people on 22 floors of Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. And on that fateful day of 9-11, Rick saw the first plane crash into Tower 1, and he set to work. Because what had happened for many months and indeed years prior to 9-11, much to the irritation of uh, high-achieving banking investors, they were sometimes interrupted from their decks by the practice of evacuating the building. And Rick had implemented this many, many times, but on that particular day, it wasn't practice. It was for real. On 9 11, there were 2,687 people working for Morgan Stanley on those 22 floors, and only nine lost their lives due to the brilliant exit strategy organized by Rit Raskola, one man who made a difference. He was last seen going back up the towers to help other people on the 10th floor, and his body was never found. There's a rich tapestry over human history of many amazing men and women that have literally paid the ultimate price for others. And the Bible calls it great love. But I want to suggest tonight, friends, that as good as that story is, and many others, nothing compares to the supreme sacrificial sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know why or in what situation life is for you today. But if the problems seem insurmountable, if the pain seems unbearable, and yes, on occasions, even if people seem unreasonable, I want to encourage you to run to the cross, to find forgiveness in the Lord's, a fresh start in following him. One person, Rick Rescola, made a huge difference But there was one person that didn't just come for two and a half thousand people. But he came for all of the world. One person who made a difference that changed history forever. And his name is Jesus.